Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption and may they rejoice before your countenance Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay the service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
78 verses 17 through 31 but they sent even war against him by rebelling against the most high in the wilderness and they tested god in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy and god heard them and the wrath of god came against them and slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. In spite of this, they still sinned and did not believe in his wondrous works. Therefore, their days he consumed in futility and their years in fear. Very unfortunate and sorrowful, but in the beginning, it seems that at first that accepted such a blessing that was unique and it was a blessing for them that's how they understood it however this blessing god viewed as his anger his wrath there are those things that a person sees as a blessing which in fact are god's anger yes god truly has allowed yes god truly has blessed they think well this is a blessing but in fact this is his anger what was the ang what was the sin of the Israelites in the wilderness with which they angered God it is expressed in their own desires which they preferred over the desires of God the desires of God when he called them into the wilderness was that he wanted to reveal to them his riches and his word and he gave them the manna which was an image of this word but they had violated the manna and they began to ask for food according to their own soul or that which they the food which they ate in Egypt when our non-sinful desires in relation to the desires of God on the pedestal of priorities take priority or take first place, they immediately turn or transform into sinful thanks to which they become a lust and they cause the anger of God. And so for all lawful desires that are not the promises of God, for them to not turn into lust that angers God but on the contrary, for them to serve as blessings for us, as it is written. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. God wanted to bless his people, not just spiritual, but materially as well. And he wanted to show that the spiritual blessings and riches are higher, so that the people of Israel could learn to place spiritual blessings higher and manna higher, which he gave them from heaven, higher than that food that they could produce themselves. In order to fulfill his promise, God had established one unchanging rule that is expressed in offering 
God of tithes and offerings. According to the definitions of Scripture, tithes are always uh, the first fruits and offerings, which points in the fact that in the beginning, that which we gain, that it, which becomes ours, with this we must honor God in the face of His delegated authority. Ezekiel 44, 30, The best of all first fruits of any kind, and every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifices shall be the priest. Also you shall give to the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. Pay attention. God wanted on the house of each of us for there to be a blessing, but for this it is necessary first to give our first fruit to the priest, or rather God's delegated authority. You know, when a person gives and then he begins to he, he begins to ask this authority where he is directing this, and he says, I don't agree with where it is being directed and, and how it is being used. In doing so, these people momentarily kill themselves. They didn't give their tithes to God. If you give to God, then how do you dare to ask God where he is directing it? It is God that's going to deal with his representative where and how to direct. Because God has, as a revelation, that he can give to his representative in his heart, and he can direct him knowing where and how much. However, we oftentimes don't agree with this. Why? Because the revelation isn't given to us by God, and we judge not according to the revelation that God gives in our heart, but that which we see, that we need to direct it here because it's more necessary or so forth. Practically, our direction is the food of the soul. We don't want to agree with the revelations of God that not we receive, but someone else through whom we are called to, to come to God, through whom we are called to bring these tithes and offerings. This is done through the revelation of God that God had sent through this man above. The people violated it. They said, what manna is this? We know how we must eat correctly. We know how we must be dressed. We know what kind of homes we must build. We know all of this on our own. And when they tried these revelations, taste to taste they didn't like them they said what is this this what is this in translation to our language means mana this is a disgruntled question what is this they ask sometimes they take it and they say what is this this is what this is disgraceful toward and God said they ate manna and they had died. Why did they die? Because they had violated it. They said, they called it, what is this? Instead of worshipping, bowing down before it, they got up in the morning. They didn't to work a lot. It was enough to gather just a little just one basket per person. If you gather more, worms will fill the man. They filled their baskets and it was enough for the day. And in the morning, they had to get up in the morning again. If you overslept, you'd end up hungry. And as soon as the sun had set, the manna disappeared. And this miracle that kept on happening every morning could not draw them closer to God. Why? 
because the taste of the soul of the carnal food will always be better to men. And that's why all the services and ministries today are focused on carnal food. They talk about carnal food, they talk about onions, they talk about melons and meat and so forth. This is what people do in services today and they rejoice because they are receiving this food, that this food is good for their soul, their emotions. They say, I feel, I have felt. But when God begins to speak, He's not based on our emotions. He is based on knowledge. He gives information that does not coincide with our tastes. And we must follow this information and we must lead our emotions. Our emotions become become like a horse that's not that has not been ridden our emotions don't want certain types of services people have brought services to a theatrical people come to church like they're going to a theater this is a house of prayer not a theater that's why you must fully understand that when the time has come and soon the promises of God will be fulfilled the promises of the end days they are practically happening in our eyes and many don't notice this what is happening in politics what is happening in nature and what is happening among the people of God what's happening with Israel all of these things that are happening tell us that we have come to the end but people continue to evangelize. They like this food for their soul. This is not food for the spirit, it's food for the soul. Because true evangelism is for us to be a light. And to be a light, we don't need to go to Africa, to India, or to Pakistan. You don't need to go anywhere. You are a light. Be a light for your family. Be a light to your surroundings at work. But people don't want to evangelize in this way. They think that it, well, if they go somewhere, something will happen. Forgetting that this kind of evangelism, if God calls someone to, then this is a very rare phenomenon. God can choose out of thousands, tens of thousands, one hundreds of thousands. He can choose only one person out of these people who he would make his apostle and who don't doesn't need to go anywhere it's enough for him to send his helpers or the word just apostle Paul has sent his helpers went and they Today we have a unique opportunity when the revelations of God can be uh, can be passed along through internet, through notes, through the TV. A person can see the image, hear the voice. We have this privilege today. No, people for some reason have the need to to go somewhere, and this food for them is is beneficial or close or important to their soul, but they don't realize that this is the anger of God, that spiritual death will be pursued. Today there is spiritual death that pursues. People die to the Lord. They begin to serve another Christ, thinking that they're serving Christ. They think that they are going in parades and armies into the kingdom of heaven, where in fact they don't understand that they are going to hell.
marching there and they come to an astonishment they will come to astonishment christ has said in one of his parables when they come to hell with these in these armies in these colonies they will say lord we were going to you we were prophesying in your name we were calling out demons doing many wonders and miracles you taught us in our streets he said i never knew you get out of here Go to go into the fire of hell. This is what will happen to those colonies that had that were disgraceful in the eyes of God and who had refused food. I remember in the beginning, the church, the songs in churches was, "There where you are, you shall shine. You don't need to go anywhere. Shine in the small place where you are." No, for some reason, people don't see anything nearby. They want to go to India, in Mexico, or somewhere else. There's enough there too, enough light there too. We are going to worship God in tithes and offerings. We're going to express our love and acknowledge His authority over us. Because this is that beginning when we turn to God. When we in tithes and offerings begin to search for God. And then He will send us his mana and the revelation of the end days it will become known to us and fulfilling it we will come to triumph over the law of sin and death let us stand and let us sing we wait for the lord in trembling and reverent patience and we will worship him each time the people of God had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, they were called to, according to the words that Moses had received by revelation, they were called to raise their hands over their offerings and proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years. We, being that same Israel, tied to that same root, eating from the same olive tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand a symbol of your righteous act over your offerings and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home and brought them into your home so that your home may have food. I do not give impurely and I do not give in sorrow. I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you, right now, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessing come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you, you may be seated.
And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths and mystery of God, blessings and promises of God. Matthew 5, 45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes a sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. Linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as to our groom in the symbolic story of the path of Rebecca to Isaac and have been studying the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb Rebecca presented those signs and the virtues of the lily of the valleys, upon which we are called to look, so we can collaborate with the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit to transform ourselves into the image of the perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. Luke 12, 27 through 32. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luke 12, 27 through 32. Considering the lilies means this is one of the conditions necessary to seek the kingdom of heaven. Fulfilling this condition gives us the ability to be dressed into the perfection of our heavenly Father. And for this purpose, we turn to the unique relationship of the most beautiful of women with her beloved, where the state and function of her heart identify the virtues of the lily of the valley that represents in her heart the kingdom of heaven that has come in full strength. We have been studying this relationship in the allegories that are presented in the book of the Songs of Solomon. We see the requirements of the most beautiful of women to look at the unseen goals, these unseen goals being the virtues of her beloved. Based upon scripture, unseen goals upon which we are called to look in the virtues of God, in the unity of all of his commandments, presented in the life dynamic of the growing lily, are eternal. At the same time, seen or physical goals reflecting materialistic success, blissfulness and fame are temporary. We being children of God, in heaven we won't need these gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are all temporary things. And so to look upon, we need to look at the unseen and not the seen. We being children of God, when we pay our attention and look at physical or seen goals, may they, they may even be good goals, gifts of the Holy Spirit, anointing. We're not even talking material, about materialistic things. They transform us from worshippers of God into idol worshippers and result in a harvest of eternal dishonor shame and wilting.
Because obedience to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven is impossible without looking upon this word. Therefore, the principle of looking is the foundation necessary for the act of one of the most powerful methods and principles of sowing into the soil of our heart. Those objects that we look upon with desire are sown into the soil of our heart and produce fruit that transforms our essence into the nature of that object. For example, the sly serpent was fully aware of this principle. Therefore, having slipped into the Garden of Eden, he turned to the wife and prompted a desire and interest in her for the forbidden fruit, and she sinned. Genesis 3, 6, so when the, women's, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, because it gives knowledge, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. We know the result of this looking, that what we look upon, we transform into that object. The sowing of seeds of sin as well as sowing seeds of good happen when we look upon objects of sin or objects of good or righteousness. Then it happens, 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 4. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And so he... His eyes needed to be focused upon something unseen because this was a man of God, a man of the Spirit, a priest, a prophet, and a king. But he saw from his roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, This is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. We know the result was very uh, sad and very unfortunate. This affected then his sons later. Therefore, when we look at unseen goals and the dynamic of the growing lily that contains within itself the kingdom of the law of grace, they transform us into the image of the Son of God and produce an eternal weight of glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When? When we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The result of looking upon the growing lily is the manifestation of the life of resurrection in the body of a holy person, which becomes possible due to the death of the seed of the planted lily. 2 Corinthians 4.10.11 Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Practically, the scriptures say, if we will carry the death of the Lord Jesus inside of ourselves, and this means to look at the dynamic of the growing lily, and we know the dynamic of the growing lily is the result of the death of the seed. 
then the life of Jesus will begin to be revealed in our mortal body. And when it will become begin to reveal itself, then the, the sicknesses, viruses, and the aging will be removed or destroyed. But in order to look, you need to first accept that truth, that teaching, how to look. Before you look at something upon the lily, you need to remove from yourself the old man with his works. It's not possible not removing this old man to look upon the lilies of the valley, upon the dynamic of the growing lily. The death of the Lord in us is the seed of the lily that has been fertilized in the soil of our heart. At the same time, the life of Jesus inside of our body is the fruit that has been grown from the seed, the fruit being the lilies of the valley. Practically, the lily of the valley is the kingdom of heaven or the tree of life that has grown from the seed, from the teaching that we are grow planting inside of ourselves, uh, collaborating with the teaching of the blood and the cross, we grow this tree of life. The beauty of the lily is one of the imperishable virtues of the Heavenly Father, revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ, as well as those people born from God in Christ Jesus that have grown the, se the seed of the lily into full measure of growth in Christ. Songs of Solomon 2.1.2 I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. It's interesting that the Father that speaks of Himself, that He has these virtues of the lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon is a type of a lily. Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. He talks about his beloved that he and he sees in her the virtues that he has he has himself. The natural beauty of the lily and the virtues of the bride of the lamb are contrasted to the thorns. The nature of the other daughters attempting to claim the calling of the bride and the attention of her groom. Defining thorns by the words of Christ are the cares of this generation where a person looks upon seen or visual goals. These goals being materialistic success which choke, these are anointing the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all kinds of uh, visual things. And it chokes the seed of the kingdom of heaven in the death of the Lord Jesus, and it is sometimes without fruit. This is specifically why the other daughters claiming the status of the bride and the attention of her beloved of the beloved are in the likeness of thorns because their goal, the object that they look upon, became seen or materialistic prosperity. The image of the lily in the heart of a person is the result of looking upon the unseen goals that are contained in the virtues of the Heavenly Father. <clears throat> this is the pure and holy and imperishable treasure. The result of us looking at unseen goals is the fruit of eternal life, which is the kingdom of heaven that has come in full strength, that was previously received in the good soil of our heart in the form of the seed of the death of Christ Jesus. And, of course, there is a big difference between the seed of the kingdom of heaven that we receive and the fruit that grows from it. From which we can, can make a conclusion that we are created by God with such a purpose and such abilities, looking at specific goals, be they positive or negative goals, we are transformed into their essence and their image. The essence of our abilities is that we are unable to look at two battling between themselves goals and rising up against each other goals at the same time. This is the seen and wilting and the unseen and eternal. Before looking at two battling between themselves goals, 
we as people given sovereign rights need to make a choice, a choice benefiting either the seen and perishable or benefiting the unseen and imperishable. Deuteronomy 30, 19, 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Therefore, to choose eternal life and be dressed within the power of its resurrection, we need to not forget and always focus our mind upon the unseen, unseen virtues of God. In this situation, the dynamic of life that flows in the growing lily. Because unseen goals, these are imperishable wealth, present the interests of eternal life in God and with God. At the same time, senior visual goals, these being perishable wealth, present the interests of eternal death in Satan and with Satan. To look upon unseen goals means not to look back or knowing the path of righteousness, not turn back from what has been trusted to you. Psalm 119, 5-7 Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all of your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. Only when we direct our ways and we look upon God's statutes, we have the ability to be students. The image of the growing lily is the image of a person that possesses a wise heart due to the fact that he accepted the mind of Christ and is feeding among the lilies. We came to the conclusion that the Holy Spirit feeds a man with a wise heart among the lilies upon the condition that this person communicates or converses with other people that are like him, dressed into the virtues of the lilies of the valley. He who walks with a wise man will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Proverbs 13.20 In Scripture, foolish people are people who hope and trust upon the abilities of their intellect and are identified in Scripture as corrupt company that are attempting with their mind to interpret the Scriptures, to search the Scriptures, that place their mind equal to God's mind when they do this. Not with their heart are they trying to comprehend, but and not by the person that God has sent, but they themselves independent, independently. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. And so such unfortunate preachers will pervert the truth. Therefore, to determine and examine ourselves whether we belong to the family of the lily as well as if we are part of the one who feeds us and among what truths are we being fed, we need to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics that are given to the most beautiful of women in the virtues of the lily of the valley written in the book of the Songs of Solomon. We need to examine ourselves. Do we have the same kind of characteristics as the most beautiful of women. It is necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics that are given to the one who uh, feeds us, or more accurately, the one that is to be our shepherd. Examine that Jesus that is preached to you, does he have those qualities that are given in the book of the Songs of Solomon and other places of Scripture? People worship different Jesuses, although they call him Jesus, 
Jesus is Messiah, the sent one, but they have very strange messiahs. The, they worship a very different messiah that is actually not even existing in Scripture. Their Jesus is a very different Jesus with different qualities, a Jesus that has an immeasurable love and without any uh, condition or an unconditional love for all. And so if you look in scriptures, he doesn't die for everyone at once. He loves those who love him and hate those who hate him. Apostle Paul writes, we are for one a fragrance and to, and to the other we are a foul odor. But for them, it is a fragrance for all. We need to love all. And, and so why then do they not love us? Why do they... Uh, mock us and criticize us and then say to love everyone. So do we need to love Satan as well? We need to examine ourselves what kind of shepherd we have, what kind of Jesus we worship, and who is the representative of this ship, of this of Jesus. Look at the pastors, look at the qualities, what is he preaching? Is he preaching the correct Christ or a very different Christ that are only existent in the minds of men? Third, it is necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics written in the in the truths that are identified as these lilies of the valley that the beloved feeds us among. Songs of Psalm 216, My beloved is mine and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. If your pastors feed you among thorns, continually pushing you to some kind of evangelism, gifts, some kind of blessings, but not seeking God and not changing yourself into his image, continually, continually what God t telling you what God has done through them, only that pastor that will testify of what God is doing with him and not just through him is a real shepherd. But those pastors that just speak of what God has done through them, then these are deceiving. God today wants to change a person. If a person cannot testify what God has done with them, but only what God does through them, then these are unfortunate preachers. The truth contained in the growing lily of the valley is the result that happens from knowing the teaching about the blood of Christ and the teaching about the cross of Christ. These two are the root system of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that produces the fruit of righteousness in the teaching of resurrection and about the eternal judgment. In a particular format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied a series of allegories that contain signs that identify the image of the bride of the Lamb and the virtues of the lily of the valley. And I've been studying the dialogue of the most beautiful of women and her beloved in the book of the Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon 5, 2 through 5. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved, he knocks and says, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken off my robe, how can I put it on again? I have washed my feet, how can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh, on the handles of the lock. 
We note that in the given place of Scripture, the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved Lord revealed the sacred relationship of the holy people that are linked to or connected to the soon coming Lord upon the clouds and serves for them as evidence that they're ready to meet with Him. Therefore, if we have truly loved the appearance of the Lord, then it will be necessary for us to uncover and examine or test ourselves as to whether we are ready to meet the Lord in the air when He appears for those who are waiting for Him in salvation in their heart. And to reveal and identify the specific signs in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her Lord, serving as evidence that she is ready to meet her Lord in the air, we, thanks to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, studying these places of Scripture in Hebrew, present a more elaborate version. I will read it. I am submerged into the death of my Lord, in which I have died for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. But my inner person in the resurrection of my Lord is vigilant in prayer. Here's the calling cry of my beloved that by the knock upon my door proclaims the ability to use the right to the power to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness. Now open to me, my sister, overfilled with my peace, one that does not have evil in her heart, my beloved friend and one that is loved by me, incomparable with any, my dove, my pure one, one without blemish or wickedness. Because the authority that represents me, sent by me to you, is overfilled with the words of life and the power of my spirit. And the people that follow after them died for sin so that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness. I have taken off the robe of the sinful man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore, because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins, and, and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. To this kind of my beloved for evidence of his love has stretched out his hand to me because of the offering which I presented. And so the latch is the offering testifying of my respect towards God and called me to liberty from the dependence of the old man with his deeds and has given me the strength to restrain my mouth and placed a guard over my mouth. And my insides began to worry when he began to act and I rose from ruins of death by the power of his resurrection and I cast off the burden of the old law so that the beloved would be able to carve upon the tablets of my heart the words of the New Testament that would be able to clothe me into his righteousness so that my mouth would be able to be filled with fragrant praise and the words of my mouth like myrrh would produce incense from the four horns of the golden, golden altar of incense. In this place of scripture presented in the format of a dialogue we paid our, our attention to five moments and these are the most beautiful of women confessing her status as a whole, the voice of the beloved being the response to her state, the first reaction of the most beautiful of women to the voice of the beloved, the behavior of the beloved in response to the most beautiful of women, and the second reaction of the most beautiful of women to the behavior of the beloved. In, in the previous services, we have already studied two moments and have been studying the third moment. In the third moment, in the elaborated version, we see the response of the most beautiful of women in the revelation of God that she received through the latch of the door in the dew of the drops. And as we together have understood now, the latch of the door through which the beloved stretched his hand is presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for his wise service. 
and to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. For the most beautiful of women, it was necessary to take off of herself the robe of the old man with his deeds. I have taken off the robe of the sinful man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore. Because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my sins before the sons of my mother, I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins, and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. We note that in Hebrew, the phrase I have taken off the robe means to tear off the skin from an animal while it is still alive. Therefore, the phrase I have taken off the robe means I have allowed my skin to be removed from myself so that in my sufferings I lose my former life. Normally, before any any offering was laid upon the altar, they slaughtered or killed the animal. After that, they removed its skin and washed its legs and insides with water. In this situation, however, we are talking about such an offering whose skin is removed while it's still alive. Its legs and insides are washed with water, and in this form, the living sacrifice is laid upon the altar. <clears throat> in this manner, before a person is dressed into humbleness, which will allow him to receive the ability to admit his sins before the sons of his mother, as well as forgive the sins of the sons of his mother, that is, your close ones in the church, since that they committed against him, it will be necessary for him to take off the robe of the sinful man. And to do this, it will be necessary for him to carry his cross to collaborate with the cross of Christ. And to prompt our memory how to collaborate our, the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ, where we are presented with the ability to take off the robe of the sinful man, so that we can present ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God for his good service, we turn to the commandments, statutes, and instructions that explain within rightful boundaries our collaboration with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. In a particular format, we have already looked at the essence of the cross of Christ and the essence of our cross and the difference between the cross, our cross and the cross of Christ, as well as based upon what principles is our cross called and able to collaborate with the cross of Christ, or what price is necessary to be paid for the right to collaborate the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ. We have been studying the next question. By what signs are we able to determine that our cross truly collaborates with the cross of Christ and not its counterfeit? We note that the image of the cross of Christ is presented in the 12 stones that were placed at the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over death, as well as the 12 stones that were taken from the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over sin in the flesh. <clears throat> in the image of our cross is presented, the, the image of our cross is presented in the 12 stones from which the altar of the Lord was constructed or built. By themselves, the 12 stones of the altar identify the goal or motives of the human heart that is the strive to know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The living sacrifice that is presented upon the altar is the means that is used to reach the goal you have. The first living sacrifice that presented himself upon the altar, the altar in this case being the cross, is Christ himself that has opened to us with his living sacrifice the path to the inheritance contained in the precious blood. He was crucified alive. <clears throat> In the New Jerusalem, as well as in our heart, the image of the living sacrifice upon the altar of twelve stones are the twelve pearly gates, which are the key to the inheritance of the blood of Christ in our heart. And this, <clears throat> the pearl is the result of the suffering of the mollusk when 
<clears throat> something falls into it, it suffers, and because of the suffering, this pearl, it, it begins to, to coat this uh, little stone or whatever falls in into this pearl. And when a person of God carrying his cross collaborates with the cross of Christ and during such suffering for the truth begins to produce such pearl, then this pearl is the key, these pearly gates, the twelve pearly gates, are the key to the inheritance that is contained in the blood of Christ. And this inheritance presented in the New Jerusalem in the tree of life that bears its fruit twelve times bearing fruit each month and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. This, of course, is an allegory and all of this needs to happen here on earth and not in heaven because in heaven no one will need to be healed. There will not be sickness there. Therefore, to inherit the treasure that is contained in the blood of Christ, these being the fruits of the tree of life bearing its fruit twelve times each month bearing its fruit, we in a particular format have studied the names of the twelve patriarchs written upon the pearly gates. These names identify the requirements based upon which we are called to collaborate with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. The twelve pearly gates is the unity of twelve virtues that the living sacrifice has presenting itself as a sacrifice to God. The twelve names of the patriarchs upon the twelve pearly gates is the unity of twelve principles placed into the foundation of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ that we talked about in the previous services. The sign of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ is called to become the result of resurrection that are identified in the inheritance of the blood of Christ in the image of the tree of life that yields its fruit 12 times bearing its fruit each month. <clears throat> We turn to the specific signs and feasts that are called to be present and flow in our heart in the fruit of the tree of life. <clears throat> Bearing fruit 12 months of the year, they are to serve for us as evidence that we collaborate with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. The fruits of the Spirit in the 12 months of the year, Apostle Paul presented these fruits of the Spirit in nine virtues, but this fruit of Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5:22 through 25 and so in accordance to this place of scripture the nine listed fruits of the spirit is evidence that we are Christ's if we have such fruits of the spirit then this is evidence that we are Christ's if we don't have them then we need to think of whose we are or to whom do we belong the nine fruits of the spirit is evidence of the fact that we have crucified our flesh with its passions and desires we cannot have the fruits of the spirit if you don't crucify your flesh with its passions and desires the fruits of the spirit is the expression of the love agape towards God and your neighbor. Fourth, the fruit of the Spirit as the fruit of love is not is first of all not emotions but responsibility. That is specific behavior or action that disciplines the emotions and leads the emotions after itself. John 14, 15 through 21. If you love, love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him 
but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. A little long, while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Following the commandments in which we are called to yield the nine fruits of the Spirit will be testimony in our heart that we crucified our flesh with its passions and desires, and doing so became the sons of light. The fruits of the Spirit as the love agape that we are called to express when fulfilling the Lord's commandments is a selective love. For one peoples, the fruits of the Spirit, the love agape, is a foul odor to death, and for the other peoples, it is a fragrant odor to life. Therefore, revealing your love to God and your neighbor when you fulfill the Lord's commandments, we are revealing light in the Lord and are behaving as children of light, which means then that the nine listed fruits of the Spirit can reveal themselves in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Ephesians 5, 8-11 for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruits of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. They are contained in these three. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. Growing in your heart, the nine fruits of the Spirit is revealing... <coughs> or the tree of life in the 12 months of the year is revealing virtue in your faith and, vir <clears throat> and in virtue you reveal knowledge in knowledge self-control in self-control perseverance to perseverance godliness godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if <clears throat> for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ 2 Peter 1 5 through 8 <clears throat> therefore to present evidence that we have crucified our flesh with its passions and desires collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ we have been studying the image of the fruit of the of the spirit in the signs and the feasts that abide in our heart within the 12 months of the holy year. <clears throat> the signs and feasts that are contained in, the in, in these 12 months identify in our heart the presence of the kingdom of heaven that is presented in the image of the tree of life that contains within itself the inheritance of the blood of Christ. <clears throat> and we enter into the imperishable inheritance of treasure contained in the blood of Christ in the image of the tree of life through the 12 pearly gates in which we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. These 12 pearly gates in our heart contain in themselves 12 principles, testifying of our collaboration with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. Studying the signs and feasts that are contained in each new month of the year, we will remember that in the Old Testament, identifying the word new pointed to the image of the future that needs to be opened up in the New Testament where a person received justification by the gift of grace independent from the law of Moses that actually produced wrath. From the other side, identifying the word new points to the resurrection of life that are revealed in the fruits of the tree of life. We together have already studied the fruits of the Spirit presented in the image of the fruits of the tree of life that would yield, that were yielded in the first two months of the holy year. Therefore, we immediately will go to the next sign and feast that is included and noted in Scripture the third month of the holy year, Sivan. We know that the first month 
was Nissan or Aviv that was about the end of March or beginning of April. This was the first month of the Holy Year, and this was the Passover, and this is the time in which Jesus was born. And so the fruit of the Spirit presented in the image of the fruit of the, fruit of the tree of life in the third month of the Holy Year in the ninth citizen year is the middle of May or June. This is Sivan. The fruit of the tree of life of the third month, Sivan, we see in the sixth day of the third month, the celebration of the Pentecost, Feast of the Sevens, that was also called the Feast of the Harvest. In our situation, celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost is accepting the Holy Spirit into our heart as the Lord and Master of our life. In this acceptance, we are called to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit upon the conditions written in Scripture. Leviticus 23:15 through 21. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheave of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour, they shall be baked with leaven, they are the fruit, first fruits to the Lord. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year, without blemish, one young bull and two rams. They shall be as a burnt offering to the Lord, with their grain offering and their drink offerings, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering, and two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of peace offerings. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord, with the two lambs. They shall be a holy, be holy to the Lord for the priest. <clears throat> and you shall proclaim on that same day that it is a holy convocation to you. You shall be do no customary work on it. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. You shall do no customary work on that day means not to blend human works into the works of God. Because any feast of the Lord is the, full, is the fulfilled and, ex and inclusive work of God shown in His redeeming grace. Therefore, to blend in human activity into the works of God's redemption means to little the works of God or replace the works of God with certain things of men. We need to clearly understand that those who think and teach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be earned and with good deeds, prayers, and fasting do not obey the truth and they look at the Scripture as people that are foolish. Therefore, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will not benefit them. <coughs> Galatians 3, 1 through 5. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before those eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does, <coughs> does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? <coughs> the Pentecost, or the Feast of Sevens, pointed to things to come. That is the coming of the Holy Spirit in the blowing of a strong wind that was to be accomplished in the 
the body of Christ, that is the Church of Jesus Christ, which we see in his first disciples in the period of the New Testament. Therefore, the descendants of the Holy Spirit from descending of the Holy Spirit from beginning to end is the gift of the grace of God revealed in the works of redemption done by Christ that man did not contribute to. John 14, 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and I will be in you I will not leave you orphans I will come to you the essence of the dissension of the Holy Spirit in the blowing of the strong wind upon the first disciples of Jesus Christ representing the body of Christ was called to blow eternal life into them so that the body of Christ his disciples would be a living spirit just as the first man in his time was created by God from the earth because God blew the breath of life into his face, he became a living soul. Genesis 2.7 And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and a man became a living being. In the seed of the first Adam, a man of the flesh, all of the nations, tribes, and languages were consisted and were made. The goal of producing all of these nations was that in the boundaries of time and their place would be able to find God and seek God and find Him. Acts 17, 26, 27, And He made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed time and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they would seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each of one of them. The same thing the second man from heaven due to the hard blowing winds he became a living spirit and from the seed of this last man the nation of God was to come from all tribes languages and people that also just as the first Adam would be able to seek God and find him or to discover him in their heart and so the celebration of the Pentecost that is that came in the hard blowing winds the Holy Spirit, the blowing of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that came upon the first disciples, allowed the body of Christ to be existing. Before this, the body of Christ did not exist as it is today. The bride of Christ did not exist and the church did not yet exist. In the moment when the Holy Spirit breathed, then it appeared or, or became. Because of this, the celebration of the Pentecost in its purpose was not just the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples, <clears throat> but it was also the birth of the Church of Jesus Christ that is His bride or the chosen by God remainder which He preordained before the creation of the world. This is how the Holy Spirit explains this through Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 15, 45-49 And so it was written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord's from heaven, and was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as in the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Based upon this place of scripture, if a person comes to God, he does not receive the Holy Spirit. That is the breath of the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
As the first disciples, he cannot be a carrier of the image of heaven, and he is he will not have the ability to grow in the Holy Spirit to be grown into full measure in Christ. And so he also will not have the ability while being baptized with the Holy Spirit to receive his unique destiny because when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit you receive your unique destiny either to receive the Holy Spirit as your master and Lord of your life to receive from him and in him power to perform a complete division or separation from our nation, our house and our ambitions and desires that in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit you can bear fruits of righteousness to God, living a godly life, carrying the resurrection of Jesus Christ in yourself, or carry, or uh, receive the Holy Spirit as a guest and continue to be dependent from your house, your nations, and your corrupt desires, and to replace the works of the Spirit with the works of flesh that look godly but do not have the power of resurrection. There are there exist two positions when people accept the or receive the Holy uh, Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues. One receive them as a guest, others as their master. These speak in tongues and the others. Eleazar came to the house of Bethuel uh, or Laban and he gave gifts to the one and the other, and both received him. But he only took Rebecca, and the rest remained. Those received him as a guest, and they received him as a guest, as many churches just received the Holy Spirit as a guest. I remember how our Pentecostal churches, we oftentimes sing a song, the Holy Spirit, the guest from heaven, and I always angered me, this always angered me, because I came to the pastor and said, why is he a guest, why is, not, is he not master? And he says, that's enough, why are you always looking at the specifics of things? Everyone singing, you sing too. And everyone sang, and I said, why will I be singing? I don't want him just as a guest. I either was quiet or said, Lord, you are my master for me, not my guest. And so talking about the sheaves and the sevenfold, talk about the resurrection, our resurrection together with Jesus. Matthew 27, 51 through 53. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were, array, were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many from... Here we can, from this, if you can think in your mind how this happened, people who were dead two, three hundred years, maybe even a thousand years, and possibly someone died three years ago, a relative, a righteous person, and he was buried, and they saw how he was buried, and suddenly the door opens and he comes in and says, peace to you. That's how it will be before the rapture of the Bride of the Lamb as well, in the same way. 
and coming out of the graves so, so the dead, dead will be resurrected first and will come and say peace to you and this will be the sign that in that day the Lord will rapture his bride and so the righteousness that we receive freely by the gift of grace that is not sealed by the seal of the Holy Spirit is one that is not uh, consisting or one that has been lost the righteousness that is sealed by the Holy Spirit is building yourself into a spiritual house by the power of the Holy Spirit that we received into our heart as our Lord and the Lord of our life. 2 Samuel 5, 11, 12, an example of how the Holy Spirit is received, the results of receiving him not as a guest but as a ma- our, our Lord or Master. 2 Samuel 5, 11, 12, Then Hiram king of Tyre sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as a king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sakes of his people Israel. People who received the Holy Spirit Spirit as a guest will not be able to be sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit and will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. Those who received him as a guest cannot be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 through 17, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage against again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer, suffer with him, they, that we may also be glorified together. Romans 8, 14 through 17. So pay attention here the person receiving the Holy Spirit as a guest cannot be called or be the Son of God he was born again received baptism uh, of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues but if he did not receive him as a master he not he cannot be called the Son of God and so to identify within our heart the signs of the tree of life that bear fruit in the sixth day of the third month which we see the leading of the Holy Spirit receiving the Holy Spirit into your heart as a master of your life we need to look at a series of already somewhat known questions. Who is the Holy Spirit by his subsistence and what role is he called to perform within our relationship with God? What conditions are to be fulfilled to accept or receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord? What was, what, by what signs are we able to judge that we are being baptized by the Holy Spirit and receive him not just as a guest as many do, but as our Lord, we receive him as a Lord as few do, or God's chosen remainder do. And by what signs are we able to judge that we are led by the Spirit of God and not our own spirit behind which stands the spirit of deception? Considering that the Holy Spirit was sent by God to the body of Jesus Christ to answer these questions, we, He was sent for the church to, uh, to the church, for to the chosen. And so if we are not a part of these chosen, then we do not have the Holy Spirit as our master. And so the first question, who is the Holy Spirit by his subsistence and what role is he called to perform within our relationship with God? We will turn to the book of Apostle Luke that he wrote. To Bethuel at that time, and 
And so that uh, writing to Bethuel was <clears throat> he wrote to them because to him because he was a leader in that time. Bethuel, one who uh, he was a uh, one who was in charge in the Roman Empire and. The name Bethuel itself in Greek means Terephilus, means a, a friend of God. From this we can conclude that the Gospel of Luke as well as Acts uh, were written to, to, the, to the friends of God. Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that, they, that we hear each in our own tongue in which we were born? Parthians, Medals, and Elamites, and all dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, and Capacermus, Pontius, and Asia. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking, say, they are filled with wine, they said. But Peter, standing up with the with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall be see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. We need to consider that everything that Luke was writing was actually the the author of which, which were actually Apostle Paul and not and so firstly, a physical part or membership to the armies of Israel, that is the true worshippers of God, is identified as a sign of circumcision that can be confirmed by collaborating with our, our cross with the cross of Christ. And secondly, a physical part or membership to the armies of Israel is the necessity to know well and accept over yourself the spiritual authority, the first commander, who is our Holy Spirit. For example, Joshua, as the leader of the nation of Israel and as the delegated representative of the Holy Spirit, at the same time fulfilled the function of the commander of the armies. He was also the main leader and the judge. Uh, for the for the nation as a whole. Before his name uh, Joshua, his name was Ozia, which is Lord is my help and Lord is my salvation. But when Moses had sent out uh, the 12 uh, spies to seek out the new land that they came to, that is when uh, Ozia's last name or Ozia's name was changed to Joshua. 
а посему имя Навин являлось прозвищем Иисуса. Иисус сын Навина. And so he also, as we see, he is identified as the son of Nun, which means fish. And so he calls him Joshua, and he says, uh, the son of Nun, the name Ephraim, from which the, the line that uh, Joshua came from, means one who yields twice, or one who is given double, a double portion of power which talks about his belonging to the Holy Spirit. If the name Joshua means Yahweh Savior, then uh, Nun, or the son of Nun, is uh, mystery. Uh, and so we can see here that Joshua, as the leader of Israel, and the Israel and so his first is as a savior and his second uh, name as none as one in secret or mystery we see here savior the son of the one in secret or savior that is covered with holy mystery or secrecy Yahweh the son of the one who desires to abide in secret or in the dark cloud and so if you follow your leader you need to know who your leader is and if you don't know your leader you will know you will then follow a deceiver who you will be convinced is your leader <coughs> when the Holy Spirit leads a person he always presents to him places of scripture if he reveals something to a person he reveals it through the scriptures that can be confirmed <clears throat> but if you receive revelations that are not in Scripture, then this talks about the fact that you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of deception, or your own personal spirit. And the concluding component of being a physical part of the armies of Israel is willingly following all of the commands that come from your commander. Following after your commander <clears throat> is knowing your commander. And there's a big difference difference between knowing your commander and and just knowing him and getting to know your commander. James 2, 19, 20, you believe, you believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble, but do you, not, do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? In accordance to Scripture, any contact or communication with the Holy Spirit is possible and can happen exclusively with our newborn spirit that, in essence, is in the likeness of God. And so that is why all the revelations of the apostles and prophets written in Scripture were given to them in, uh, through the, through their, or in their spirit, either in visions or in their sleep. The order of such collaboration is possible when, when our newborn spirit and our new mind or renewed mind, there is a collaboration. If our mind is not renewed, then we will not be able to understand our newborn spirit. And we will not be able then to be led by the Holy Spirit and will not be able to worship God in our spirit and have a lawful relationship or communication with Him and will not be able to be a part then of the armies of Israel. This is where I'd like to finish today. We will continue, if the Lord will allow us, uh, to study uh, the fruits of the third month, that is the Holy Spirit. Right now we will pray in all those who desire to 
be freed of their fear, their sins, their, their obstacle situation, to be able to touch and take part to the, uh, in the communion, the, the teaching of the blood of Christ and cross of Christ. I invite you to the uh, here to the altar. The Holy Spirit, due to his unchanging word, can change your situation, can save you, protect you from shame, protect you from uh, viruses, from fears, from sin, from dependence of sin. He is in this place. Let us bend our knees and pray. We wait for you. Right now, I'm going to be praying your prayer, and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He is not against you. He is for you. Please close your eyes, your secret place. Lift your hands to God, a sign that you're ready to receive from God what He desires to give you. He desires to see your lifted hands without doubt. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with my sin, with my shame, with a broken heart, with dishonor, with a pampered dignity. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal me, cover my shame, protect me. You are my protection. You are my hope. You are my healing. You are my God. I open up my heart Enter in as a master and be a Lord of my life. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his shining face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. <clears throat> May all these blessings be upon you, those of the hills and of the valleys, be upon you and your children. And the nation shall say, Amen. And we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.